0: Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of the Tarot Coloring Book. I'm also the co-author of Tarot for Troubled Times. And I'm your host for this podcast series. This is episode 138 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. Now, for today's topic, we've got a very hot topic. We're talking about hard cards. And my special guest is Sarah Diener. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, Teresa. Thank you
1: so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on your awesome podcast.
0: And I'm so excited to have you here. You know, Angela Mary Magic told me all about your work, but I've been familiar with your work because I've witnessed your journals. They're very, very popular.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love Angela Mary Magic. She also told me about you. So we have her to thank. And uh, yeah, I. I have written some journals about the moon. It's true. And I'm writing a book. It'll be out next year uh, sometime. So I'm excited about that, too.
0: Very, very cool. I, I love this topic, too. And you suggested this topic. And I think this is a really important one to discuss, not just as a tarot reader, but for people who are listening in and they get readings and sometimes, you know, they get cards and they're like, oh, my God, I didn't want to see the devil today. So I want to talk about that. You know, what cards do you feel get the most negative responses from people? Oh, wow. Well, there are, of course, those stereotypical
1: cards such as the devil, the tower, a lot of the swords, right? Mm -hmm. The fives in the minor arcana, right? People are like, oh, geez, sometimes even the nines or the tens. I think of a hard card in a kind of number of different ways. Like there could be that stereotypical hard card, right? Like you open all of the more traditional tarot books, and they'll, it'll be like an ominous keyword attached to it. And quite frankly, when you get that, there's not really a lot of places to go. Because then you start to feel like, oh, am I just screwed? Like, do I not have any autonomy? Like, is something really awful going to happen? So I don't necessarily think that that's the way to go about thinking about tarot cards. In my personal opinion, I don't think there's necessarily good or bad cards. I think there are different ways into each archetype. Like I kind of think of each archetype as almost a 360 degree spectrum, where there are like positives and challenges and and our way through is sort of how we engage and enact with the themes in that
0: card. Do you know what I mean? Like what what's right your take on that? Oh, I agree. I always say there's no such thing as a bad card, just like there's no such thing as a bad astrology chart. I think when you look at things like, oh, my God, this is just bad, you're not seeing the potential for how mm-hmm. that might be an important life lesson or an important part of you that, you know, you really need. Because life is not always, you know, love and light and we do need those quote-unquote hard cards we do need those challenging aspects in our astrology chart I think that a lot of times those are things that really make us and again help us to grow and also um some of the cards that get a bum rap I'm like you know it's not as negative as you think it is just like some of the so-called good cards they have a dark side too Right. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, you go, go. I'm right. I am am here for this conversation. Keep going. I have so much to say. I'm just going to keep it in my little brain. Well, one of the exercises that I do with uh, my tarot students is an exercise called good card, bad card, kind of like good cop, bad cop, (laughs) Uh where we have to look at the negative card, so-called negative card, like let's say the devil. And, you know, okay, we see that as a negative. What's the positive side of this? What's the upside? And then let's look at the so-called positive card, like the sun. What's the negative side? Because everything has two different sides. So for the devil, even though it's considered a negative card, well, the positive is those chains are loose. I mean, those were the two cards I literally
1: was going (laughs) to bring up, the sun and the devil, because they're so stereotypically, in quotes, good and bad. And so, of course, you're like so brilliant. You would bring that into teaching. For me, I also want to think about sort of the overview cultural context And so like the devil, so tarot was invented by humankind Mm -hmm. to explain and mirror human experience. So of course, there are going to be hard times. Of course, there are going to be suffering as reflected in the tarot, or else it wouldn't be an accurate depiction of human life, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because we all have challenges, we all are experiencing suffering in different capacities, and we sort of need that mirroring to help us uh, make sense or, you know, process what's kind of happening to us. But then when we kind of zoom out, the devil is also a man-made construct. And the devil, a lot of times I think of the devil as what we're othering Mm -hmm. or what we're afraid of. It is sort of almost the shadow of the shadow. And we all know that like our shadow is a source of our power. So we know that if we're able to process that in a way that's constructive, we can also step into more power. I think of the devil as being a lot about liberation. I think about the devil as being a lot about desire and the ways we've been told to keep our desires small or like constricted or in a box. And the devil's this like wild, weird, queer kind of portal that we can kind of examine into why we've kept ourselves small or why we've kept ourselves in these more sort of um, prescriptive roles in our lives. So I think it's actually I think the devil is actually incredibly liberating because it's also the first card in like the last three lines of you know the tarot of collecting to the of connecting to the superconscious, and for example like the sun I feel like you know the sun could be a hard card for people who weren't taught that it was okay to take up space or mm-hmm. be joyful, or people who think that every time something great happens the shoe's going to drop and like something bad is going to happen or people who can't trust showing up like vulnerably because they were maybe abused or maybe they were not taught that. So I also think a hard card I would define as a way that is difficult or unrelatable for you in your own tarot practice. And we all have those, even as experienced readers, like I have cards I can't connect to. I know the keywords. I understand. Mm -hmm. I've read about them. I know usually what happens or what they will kind of be talking about in a client reading. But I myself maybe haven't connected to like, I always use the example of a good card that like, I don't really have a personal affinity with. And it's sort of my hard card as being the queen of wands. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are like, she's great. And I'm like, yes, I know. But for me personally, I'm like, I don't know how to engage with this energy. I haven't really fully like relaxed into embodying and experiencing this energy. And so I think it's interesting that when we have a tarot practice, whether we're a reader or whether we read for ourselves, whether we just do daily polls or whether we kind of pull cards once in a while for self care for therapy or however we use it to sort of really think about what am I really strongly reacting to? Mm -hmm. What are the harder cards for me? What are the cards I don't in quotes get or like you know because i feel like also tarot cards can reflect an experience in our life so for example we'll be in like a death card experience when we're mourning or we're letting go of things or we're starting to lose a job or you know something like that we can very viscerally connect to that feeling of grief and loss, we know that we're kind of in like a death card phase. And that also helps us make sense of the phase we're at, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes, like, you know, I I was trying to think of this, like, in preparation for speaking with you, like, I don't know that consciously I've ever, say, been in like, um, a star phase or something. Mm -hmm. Like, do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, I'd be curious to see what you think about that.
0: Well, I, I think that that's very true. I think sometimes, you know, when we see, you know, quote unquote negative cards or hard cards, it may be because it is triggering something. Or it may be that, like you said, we just don't relate to it. We just don't really grasp the energy of that. So there's a lot of reasons why people react really strongly to cards. Now, for me, the card that I react very strongly to is the Five of Swords. I do not like that card, but also the Eight of Cups. And there's two different reasons why. So the five of swords, I know this is really weird. The five of swords I want to hear that I want to hear this story. So the five of swords, you know, I grew up in a family of people who like to bend the truth. And I'm one of those people, I want the truth, I want the unvarnished truth. And so I was the troublemaker. And so when I see the five of swords, it always brings up that feeling like, ah, there's issues here around truth and speaking truth and not getting into trouble for speaking the truth and figuring out tact. You know, so that's been a big theme in my life. And the Eight of Cups, the reason why I have such a reaction to that is because that card has showed up in my life as a warning on more than one occasion for certain relationships, friendships, where it's come up. And I asked at the time, well, how's this friendship going to be? Because friendships is so important to me. And the Eight of Cups would come up and I'd be like, oh, well, that's interesting. And the relationship would end really terribly, because I would end up with some kind of drama, some kind of betrayal. And that's happened to me on more than one occasion. So when I see the eight of cups, I have a different interpretation for myself. You know, some people look at that, it's time to move on, we're going on a spiritual journey, blah, blah, blah. But I look at it, it's like, what the hell do I need to walk away from? Yes. So that's how it can... Again, now the Five of Swords in Tarot traditionally is considered a difficult card, but the Eight of Cups—no one thinks that that is difficult, right? Well, I would disagree. What, as you're speaking,
1: I mean, I would challenge you. Let me put it that way. Uh, I think that people can put a positive spin on any card. Like yep. I said, we all—we talk. There's good. There's bad. There's there's positives. There's negatives. There's openings. There's challenges. A couple of things with the, well, a couple of things that you brought up that I want to kind of highlight. One is that. Experiences of tarot cards are so incredibly complex because experiences of life are so incredibly complex. And when you're engaged in life in a multifaceted way, when you're trying to evolve, so does the tarot because the tarot is just a mirror. So it, a tarot card isn't just one thing or isn't just one meaning. It evolves and grows as you do. And if you are so tapped in and tuned in, Teresa, to your life and to what you're pulling and to what's kind of happening in other symbolic ways in your life, then yes, of course, these cards begin to take on really personal meaning. And what I'll say with the eight of cups is, you know, one, that moon um, and the traditional Pamela Coleman Smith rendition is an eclipse. Mm -hmm. There's, there's, in my opinion, there's two eclipses in the traditional Pamela Coleman Smith, like the teaching deck I use and a lot of people refer to the moon card is an eclipse, yep. yep, and it's showing up in the Eight of Cups. So, that is usually a kind of grief, it is a process of letting go or moving on that is entangled with grief and with sorrow and sadness. Where the decisions that you're making, if they're aligned and if they're heart led and if they're in the spirit and service of evolution, are the right ones that doesn't mean you're not going to be sad and cry that doesn't mean you're going to ha- not have to process it that doesn't mean you're going to feel regret and remorse for what went on it's a very like particular kind of moving on you know what i mean absolutely so i i feel you i mean my personal one is i call it like similar to you like the repeaters that refers to something in our lives that we've kind of made peace with or processed, I call it like, hello darkness, my old friend, you know, you're like, here we go again. I know what, like, duh, I know what this is. You know, the tarot can be so kind of cheeky and like, you know, you're like, really, I'm getting called out again by my tarot card. Um, For me, it's the five of cups, actually, because Mm -hmm. my kind of like, emotional pattern will generally be to despair. Mm-hmm. And I, something I've really had to work on in terms of my emotional regulation is to not focus solely on a despair reaction when I'm feeling vulnerable, um, when I'm feeling like I have to make a move or I have to kind of, I'll kind of, it's sort of this reminder, come on now, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let there's, We still have other opportunities. As long as we're alive, we can make other choices. And sometimes the five of cups now I'll like chuckle when I get it because mm-hmm. I'm like now, I, whereas at first I was like, oh, or I would be like, what does this mean? You know, like these sort of um, separation tactics will do, you know, like, I don't get it. What could this mean for me? Now I'm like, okay, I know what this is. I need to be careful not to just sort of dissolve away into the worst case scenario. Let's like figure this out and keep some energy moving. But I also think the five of cups also gets a bad rap because it's a card about really feeling your feelings. Like Mm -hmm. it's a card about really going there. And sometimes we have to
0: go there in order to kind of move on. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, we have a grief adverse society. We really do. I mean, people don't want to. In fact, there's a lot of tarot readers that don't want to even talk about things like death and healing from that and loss, you know, because they think, quote unquote, it's, it's unethical. But I work with a lot of clients who deal with grief, a lot of clients who uh, deal with loss or, you know, people passing on. I like to say I'm very good at dealing with that. It's something I'm very comfortable with. And it's something that is part of life and we have to talk about. And yeah, the Five of Cups, people get that. You know, there's a book by Megan Devine called It's Okay That You're Not Okay. And it's a book I really recommend to people who are dealing with grief or despair because it is... It's a book that gives you permission to just feel those feelings. And that's something we have to do. We have to feel those ugly feelings or those feelings that are, you know, not pleasant. Because again, life is full spectrum. That's part of being alive. I don't want to numb out. I I don't feel it.
1: Yeah, I feel exactly the same.
0: So, what do you think about tarot decks that have no so called quote unquote bad cards? Is that helpful or not? I mean, there's a few personally I
1: so I have a couple of thoughts on this. One is I think that tarot decks who don't have in quotes any negative depictions or challenging depictions, I think for people, for clients or people who might have a history of trauma mm-hmm. uh, and might want to start working with the cards as a therapeutic, as a kind of supportive vessel or container, I can 100% understand why that would be really, really, really helpful. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I want to like give that validity because I think it is 100% valid. I would say personally, if that's something that feels more comfortable to someone because they maybe have a background in abuse or trauma, personally, I would suggest they use an oracle deck, like a more kind of, you know, neutral oracle deck, because I'm a bit of a traditionalist in some ways with the tarot. And I believe that it is a kind of system that works within, uh, again, there's, there's more challenging cards, and there's more beautiful cards. And sometimes the beautiful cards are the challenging cards as well, too. But at any rate, I sort of think that there needs to be that contrast. Uh, I think there needs to be, and sometimes I think that the challenging cards or cards that have depictions of, for lack of a better word, more violent, mm-hmm. um, you know, or graphic, so to speak, imagery can kind of serve as a tool, if we are prepared for it, to snap us out. Like, mm-hmm. it's sort of like, whoa, hold on, you know, like, wait a minute. You know, a lot of the imagery in tarot across time is pretty graphic and extreme one way or the other in a way. And I feel that that's a way to kind of get us thinking about what's happening. You know, mm-hmm. we we look to images, we look to symbols um, as ways to interpret what's happening on a number of different levels in our lives. And I think that sometimes extreme or stark imagery, whether very, very positive, amazing, bizarre, surreal, beautiful, and also challenging hard that really sometimes also illustrate inner terrain, you know, like a lot of times I think the challenging cards are illustrating like inner excavations or fallings apart or crumbling or crises. Um, not necessarily this literal, like, you know, oh, if you get the tower, your your house is going to be struck by lightning. That's like not what that's about. We know that, but I can 100% also understand why people would kind of go there with it, right? So I don't know. What do you think?
0: Well, I I think I agree that the softer decks can be very helpful for people who, are dealing with trauma or if they're really young and it's their first introduction to tarot, you know, it can, it can be very helpful, but I um, also think that it's really important that, you know, we don't become too reliant on those because again, we don't want to numb out. We don't want to turn away from the things that are challenging. So they serve Mm -hmm. a purpose, but you know, again, um, it's really going to depend on the person, um, their situation and Mm -hmm. My only thing would be just make sure that you're not choosing to numb out. That's really important. I didn't even think about
1: kids. I love that you brought that up because so many people want to use decks with their kids. And I could totally see how some of the imagery would be really disturbing for like a five-year-old.
0: I have a deck called the Whimsical Tarot. And it's all based on fairy tales. And that's what I use for children, and it's so charming. I think the deck might be out of print, but it's one that I really recommend. Another deck that doesn't have negative images is the Connolly Tarot, which I've is one. I've never heard of it. It's Don't by Eileen Connolly uh, and her son designed it, and it's one that has more of the positive imagery. It, you know, it just makes it a little feel a little bit safer. There's also a deck that a friend bought me called the Good Tarot, and I'm still like. Trying to Big, yeah. decide what I feel about that deck. I don't have an opinion one way or another yet.
1: I also think that your question brings up a really, really good point about the kind of headspace mm-hmm. we have to kind of think about ourselves as being in when we pull cards. Because I know for myself, sometimes going to the deck. It, it depends sometimes mm-hmm. going to the deck when I'm sort of in a spiral or when I really feel murky or grief stricken or confused or sad is actually really helpful, especially when I do see a visual reflection of what my interior, cause that happens a lot to me. Like I'll be feeling really mad and then say I'll get the, yeah, five of swords or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, of course there's that like kind of, Oh, or the knight of swords or something. There's that kind of aggressive energy, uh that i feel that the tarot is simply a mirror for but sometimes i have to check my i'm only speaking from personal experience sometimes i have to check myself mm-hmm. and and be like what am i really trying to do here when i go to my deck like what what do i really need do i actually just need a walk do i need to cuddle with my dog do i need to call a friend like what am i really looking for because sometimes it's true if you're looking for solace within a tarot deck and you're not necessarily in the right headspace, and you're not necessarily using a deck that is like super trauma informed or only has really positive, soft imagery that could be a way to sort of, um, it it might not be entirely helpful.
0: Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. You know, and use a very good example. If I'm mad, well, first of all, when I'm working with tarot for myself, I want to be very clear on my intention. Right. And I think it's important for clients to be care, be clear on your intention. That's super, super important. But anyhow, if I'm really mad, And I pull a card like the Five of Swords, that's going to validate how I'm feeling. So that's not going to be a negative thing. That might be saying you're mad, someone's being dishonest with you, you're feeling really hurt, you're feeling in pain. So it could be reflecting back exactly, as you said, what I'm feeling. If I'm feeling really angry and I'm going to an all positive deck and I'm getting bunnies and kittens and unicorns and stuff, I might be looking at that and saying, oh yeah, everything's fine. But... What about these crap feelings that I'm feeling? And so do you mind if I just add one thing onto that? Oh, please do. Like
1: every time you're saying something like I have to add something, everything (laughs) you're saying is so great. I love that we're on the same page. The other thing I'll like to do is if I'm in a a headspace where I need processing, Mm -hmm. I think it's also very important to stay in the now and say I pull, let's just say I'm angry. I pull the five of swords. Let's just keep with that definition. I have to stay really grounded and present in this moment and, and keep it just to myself, meaning it's not always helpful to ask, how is this going to end up? Mm-hmm. Or like what is the best outcome of this situation in a moment where I haven't yet processed why I feel the way I do, how I can get to feeling more heart-centered or open what like So I feel like a better question I could ask after, okay, yes, it's confirmed, I've gotten the five of swords, there's a not cool situation going on, I'm getting irritated, I could ask, what do I need to do right now in order to process these emotions? To me, that would be a, a healthier and more helpful way than being like, what's going to happen? Or like, you know, like, or what is the other person thinking or something, because we don't know that. And it's not necessarily even our right or our boundary, you know, like to know that, but it is our right to sort of get situated in our feelings, figure out how the tarot can help us in the present moment to move through whatever's going on right now. And for that, an added thing I like to do is journal about about a way that I can kind of get my feelings out is journaling. And then I can journal about the cards, I can journal about what came up for me. Another thing I like to do to kind of gain a little bit of perspective on a on a card that might be hard for me is to spend time really examining What in the card have I not looked at before, Mm -hmm. you know, or what at the card am I not seeing or what, where is there a color I haven't noticed? Or is there something in the background, like a little animal or a pattern? Like what, what is another way into the card that can help give me a different perspective on the themes of the card and also what's going on for me, you know, Mm -hmm. other cards can do that too. Of course, like the compare and contrast. I love that uh, example you brought up earlier.
0: Thank you. So here's the thing I want to ask you, too. Let's say you're doing a reading um, for a client or yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And you seem to get nothing but these so-called negative cards. Yeah. Now what? And by the way, I also want to say one thing before you answer that question. You mentioned about, you know, asking what's going to happen. And so many people come to tarot and they want to know what's going to happen. And oftentimes I like to say that that's a very passive approach to your tarot reading. Because you're assuming then that life just happens to you. Yeah. And oftentimes your life is a series of the choices you make or your reactions to certain things. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that helpful to ask what's gonna happen. I love what you said about, you know, your way of asking questions. That's way more empowering. It puts the future in your hands, it puts your reactions, your reality right here in the present moment. That's really what matters. But anyhow, back to my question. So I would love to hear about, you know, if you've had a time maybe where you had a bunch of negative cards or a client. I mean, what do you do when it's all quote unquote, negative?
1: Mm, What a great question. So I guess I'll just speak from um, a tarot reader perspective. You know, I consider probably as you do, of course, this is a different, this topic would be a different podcast topic. But I consider part of my job as a tarot reader as a space holder, like I'm here to hold space for my clients and what they need, um, and what's going on for them. Uh, Often, maybe even separately from what's, what we're seeing, what we're looking at. You know, I really take that aspect of my role as a reader really seriously. Um, so what I will say is say there's like three cards and it's the devil, the tower and the three of swords. Let's Mm -hmm. just say three cards that are usually in many decks don't look like the best and traditionally have not the greatest um, meanings, but I would, that's, again, that's a a topic for another day, uh, demystifying hard cards or whatever. But anyway, the first thing I'm going to move into is how my client might be feeling in their life. They might be feeling heartbroken. They might be feeling confused. They might be feeling betrayed. They might be feeling, um, like they don't have a way out. They, they might be, you know, so what I'm interested in doing is, you know, asking them, checking in with them and holding space for that, like that feeling first, um, you know, of, of what's going on. You know, I only want to meet my clients where they are. I don't want to, I don't want to be irresponsible and I don't want to assume that something is happening when it isn't. So that I think it's really important to have dialogues with clients and check-ins. And I think it's really important to think, well, okay, here's a really difficult card. Uh, how would that? What going back to tarot as life? If someone gets, you know, the three of swords what is that feeling? What would that feel like? That would feel really hard and heartbreaking and sad and hard to address. So like, let's start there. Like, let's start there with that. So that's kind of where I would kind of begin as a, as a reader, obviously myself reading for myself is much different. Um, but I'm curious to
0: see what, what you would kind of start with, with that. Well, uh, first of all, I love the fact that you said holding space because I agree. I think a lot of the work that we're doing is we're witnessing and we're creating a sacred space for people to really show up and to work through the things that are going on in their life. So like you, and non judgmental, oh, like yeah. a non
1: judgment. So if like, this is what's coming up, or if like, you're making these choices, like, it's not on me to judge you or to be like, Oh, that's a bad choice. It's more about like, Okay, let's think about what you need. Let's think about what you're needing to heal. Let's think about what you're needing to work on. I just want to say that really clearly too because I think sometimes judgment, mm-hmm. waka waka, not the card, but judgment will come in with the devil or the tower. People are like am I a bad person? What did I do to cause this? Or, you know, like right. these kinds of feelings. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. So I'm sorry I cut you off. I just, you just reminded me, but keep going, keep going. Oh, no, I'm yeah.
0: I, I I'm, I'm nodding my head and agreeing with everything that you're saying here. You know, I think um, when when it is a very quote unquote difficult reading or clients are dealing with difficult things, you know, sometimes a tarot reading is the only place they feel safe going. And that's what I think a lot of people don't understand. We're, we're oftentimes, we're like priestesses and priests, we're hearing the information in a non-judgmental zone. And by the way, if you're a really judgmental person, this is not the work for you. It's not the line of work because you really do hear a lot of very difficult and emotional and sometimes traumatic things that people are working through. So we have to give them that safe space. So if there are hard cards coming up and they want to discuss what this means, what they're going through, they have to feel safe. And so it doesn't you. It does do you any good to pull out those cards and say, wow, well, these are all negative cards. What the hell are you doing? You know, it's better to say, what are you feeling? What is going on? Is there something you want to talk about? And I think that really opens up a dialogue for a reading that's very proactive and healing rather than something where you're just reading those cards literally and not giving any helpful support or advice. From a philosophical perspective, I also
1: believe, and this is the this is sort of the track I'll take more often with myself, but sometimes I will bring this up to clients if I feel like mm-hmm. it's ready to be said. Sometimes I think the hard cards are almost a celebratory moment, meaning they're showing up because it's time for you to deal with these things. Like they wouldn't show up if you weren't ready. Like if you weren't ready to know what the truth was. Maybe you wouldn't get the tower. You know, like if you're not ready to like dismantle your ego and get free, you wouldn't get the tower or the devil. I always also like to remind my clients that the card that comes after those is the star. Like it's Mm -hmm. like a heal. And sometimes I think of cards as like groupings where it's like, well, yes, we're in the hanged one, which is uncomfortable. Yes, we're in death, which can be so grief stricken and excruciating, but then we get to temperance where we like Mm -hmm. alchemize it and we're given, um, you know, a, a healing boost and a healing reflection. So I, you know, I think that that's also an aspect of hard cards where, okay, you're in the devil. Well, like, baby, let's get dirty. Like, let's figure this out. You know, like you're, or if we are going to use our traditional interpretation of the devil, which is feeling like something's controlling you, it's time to get free. We can yeah. how can we get free? What? and then practically, if it's a client, like, what do we need to do? How do we need to repattern? Do we need to get back into therapy? Do we need to kind of abstain from uh, contacting a certain person in our life that make us feel out of control? or you know whatever it is, it's going to be incredibly specific to the person and what's going on for them internally or externally. But I sometimes, for myself, at least personally, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Like it's three of swords. I'm ready to unbreak my own heart. I'm ready to stop doing this to myself. Like it's painful. I want to think about other ways to, to react or other ways to treat myself. Do
0: you, do you understand what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You're reframing it so people can see that these cards are actually, again, they're very empowering. They're telling you you're ready to deal with this because I think so too, that that difficult stuff isn't going to come up When you're like in denial, it's going to come because you're you're ready to be done being in denial. You know, anytime, go ahead. No, no, please. I was just going to say, anytime I've ever gotten a quote unquote difficult reading, it's because it's been something I've needed to deal with or face.
1: I was going to say, and what that brings us back to is like the beautiful example you used earlier of the five of swords is like, the Five of Swords was something for you in a formative way in your life that was very heartbreaking, challenging, hard, something you had to work through that took time and engagement and effort. But I'm sure now when you see that card, you're not afraid. Like you're not right. like, ah, you're like, okay, this is the scene that's coming up. These are the tools I've amassed. These are my inner resources. What are the choices I have here? What, you know, what tactic am I gonna take to deal with this? Like you're not like, You know, you can deal with the heart because part of healing really like one definition in my mind of healing is going through hard things with having more resources so as not to abandon the self so as to stay on the path, you know, so as to think about what's best and highest for all and all of these things, you know, so you're not just spiraling out or you're not just reacting or getting defensive or blaming or shaming. And I think that that is also a really incredibly empowering gift that the very hardest cards in the deck can give us.
0: I love that. And I think that is a really beautiful note to complete this discussion. But I think we're going to have to have another discussion uh, about demystifying those cards. When you brought that up, my head was going ding, ding, ding. So I think that's going to be a future discussion. But Sarah, um, wow, I love everything that you had to say. And I mean, you're so wise. Where can people find you if they want to work with you? What's going on that they need to know about you? Uh, The best way is
1: through my newsletter. They can sign up through visualmagic.info. Teresa, I can email that if you want to put it in the show notes. My newsletter is where they'll find out first. The only really thing I have on deck that is tarot related, pun intended, (laughs) is I have a class happening in the fall called Elemental Intuition. Which is a a dive into both the minors and the different elements and how we can work with those intuitively and magically. Mm -hmm. So that starts in September. So if you're on my newsletter, you will get all the info, more info about the class and sort of how to sign up and how that all works. Um, But that's kind of the best way on the internets. I'm only on one social media, that's Instagram, and I'm at G O T T E S S S. -S. It's a play on my last name. I made it a long time ago before I started a business. So I never changed it. I'm not organized like you, uh, (laughs) Teresa. I'm like the tarot lady. Like, you're so great. Like, if you Google it, that's like all that. It's so great that that's, but that's not me, not yet. But you're aspirational and inspirational in that way. So one day I might get there. But that's how people can find me. And I just really want to thank you for always being so open and always involving so many different people and so many points of view and, and being so inquisitive and curious and wanting to provide an enormous and endless amount of free resources for people so that they can help themselves. So I just kind of want to, you know, let you know that I know sometimes doing all this work can feel like you're maybe screaming into the void or something, but Um, I know that there are thousands and thousands of people who appreciate all of your efforts and I am one of them. So thank you.
0: Thank you. I so appreciate that and you, and you know, I I will say I do love sharing all these different points of views um, on the podcast or on my blog because I've been at this for a long time. I've been reading tarot 40 years professionally for 30 and I still learn new things. I still get some new, I mean, Every day, almost. If you're like
1: yeah. reading and pulling and seeing clients, 100. I've been reading, gosh, professionally for about eight years. Uh, studied for about yeah. seven or eight before then. So I'm, you know, about 15 years in, and I'm like every darn day. If I really want to, I can get a different perspective or read a sentence or live my life in a way where I'm like, oh, that's three of cups. Yes. Or, oh, that it's really amazing. So I'm glad you share that. Yeah uh, that that uh, you know research based interest in nature cuz that's what one of the things the top things I love about
0: tarot yeah tarot you and and an astrology too I say you know if you dive into this stuff there is something new. You can teach old dogs new tricks. I'm learning all the time. So, um, And hopefully for people who are listening into the podcast, you're going to walk away learning a lot today because I know that I've had some wonderful aha moments listening to you, Sarah. So once again, thank you. And for everybody who's listening in, that wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites. But I guarantee Sarah and I are going to be talking again in the future because this topic we could probably talk for hours on. Anyhow, you can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got free tarot and astrology stuff over there, the tarot coloring book, tarot for troubled times, hundreds of blog posts, astrological forecasts. Whew, there's a lot going on over there, people. Get over there and enjoy it. And I want to thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a beautiful day. And if you are digging this podcast, I'm asking you to please do me a favor go on over to iTunes and leave a kind review because that's going to help more tarot-curious people find their way to this little podcast. And as always, I like to close out by saying, pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day and let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending.